Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And we're here finally to talk about the 2023 football season. We're done talking about realignment. We're done talking about NIL uh, and all of those off-season topics. Um, today, we are previewing the Indiana offense as they head into the 2023 uh, football season. TJ, how are you doing? Doing very well. Definitely excited to, uh, like you said, talk actual football. The season less than a month away. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited and a lot of questions still to be answered. Um, certainly understandable for those that are pessimistic about how the season is going to play out and where the program's at. But I think it's also, you know, justifiable to have a lot of optimism uh, about some of the changes that have been made and potential, um, you know, potential results on the field being better than a lot of people expect. So um, just so many new faces, both in coaching and on the field with personnel, that there's just a lot of questions that uh, that we're going to find answers to fairly quickly in the 2023 season, which, uh, you know, is a little bit unnerving, but also pretty exciting. Yeah, it is um, a lot of question marks, a lot of people coming in through the transfer portal and a lot of coaching changes. Two of those coaching changes, uh, one is wide receiver coach uh, Anthony Tucker. He comes in to replace Adam Henry, who moved on to the NFL, back to the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. And the next one is obviously the most talked about change in the offseason is Bob Bostad coming in for the offensive line replacing Darren Hiller, who was fired mid-season last year. Uh, This hire has been dubbed the biggest, you know, a great hire on paper. um, And it is probably the most important hire of Tom Allen's uh, tenure so far in Indiana, uh, because the offensive line has been um, abysmal the last couple of years. And Bostad comes in from Wisconsin, has a good history of coaching and um, coaching offensive line, putting guys in the NFL. I don't think the IU offensive line is void of talent. Um, I do have my concerns, and we'll talk about that uh, in a a few minutes. Um, But how this podcast is going to work today, we'll go through the offense position by position, then we'll go over – what excites us the most, where we're, where, where we're a little hesitant, and um, maybe a, a breakout star as well. Um, so, TJ, let's start with the offensive line. That is where the offense uh, starts and ends. The last two years, IU's offensive line has been terrible. Um, 
Bostad came in. Uh, he came in, in the spring, and you saw a mentality change in practice. Things became more physical. It, uh, you know, toughness is the one word for 2023, and it looks like he's bringing that to the offensive line room. They're going again uh, live in practice against the defensive line as much as they can, um, and things like that. Um, what's your opinion of the, of the offensive line, and and what are you looking forward to there? Yeah, so with Bob Bostad coming from Wisconsin, you you have an idea in your head about what Wisconsin offensive lines look like, um, and that's not going to immediately become what IU's offensive line performs like. But you know, you you expect an increase just from a coaching standpoint. Um, now, looking at personnel, Indiana returns quite a bit in terms of experience, uh, in terms of, you know, guys that have started games or at least played in a lot of games, that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. If, you know, they continue to underperform and the coaching switch doesn't really help them improve their level of play, then that experience is not any good because you're just bringing back guys that weren't good enough in the first place. However, I tend to think that things had gotten so stale with Darren Hiller that this change in coaching plus the experience of these returning guys and, which we'll talk about here in a second, the addition of some talented guys that are ready to step up that don't have a lot of experience yet, maybe just a little bit, but are redshirt freshmen. Um, or even true freshmen that, that might see some time. I think that all of those factors combine to give you reasons to be optimistic that the offensive line play is going to improve. Now, again, is it realistic to expect, oh, it's Bob Bostad coaching the offensive line, therefore it's going to be a Wisconsin-caliber offensive line? That's, in my opinion, that's that's not realistic to expect a vintage, you know, hey, we're going to run for 250 yards a game and put three linemen into the draft. That's probably not going to happen. I'm not saying it can't, but it would be shocking if it did. Now, can the level of play increase to where it has an impact on winning? Absolutely. It absolutely can, and I think that there's personnel here that allows for that to happen. You're looking at a return from injury. Um, you're looking at Khalil Benson, Matt Bedford, Zach Carpenter, and Mike Kadick have all played substantial minutes or substantial snaps for the Indiana Hoosiers on the offensive line. Max Longman, a, a guy that's expected to be a, a pretty good swing depth piece that can play guard uh, or tackle or, or even center um, transfer from UMass. He has played a ton of division one football. And then a, a guy that I think has gotten as kind of rave reviews as he possibly could have uh, Carter Smith, redshirt freshman that got some snaps late last year. Um, and, and I think, 
performed pretty admirably, gave you a, a, a glimpse of his potential. Um, a player that when he committed, it was talked about as, hey, that's a guy that with some work, he could be a really good offensive tackle. And we might be seeing that this year. Carter Smith, as of you know, the last time Bob Bostad spoke to the media, Carter Smith was working with the ones as, as a starting offensive lineman for the Hoosiers at left tackle. Um, so I think that there's reasons to be optimistic. But again, until we see it on the field, I think it's reasonable to say offensive line is a big concern. Yeah, and uh, you talk about Carter Smith working with the ones. He was also working with the threes, which brings me to my concern about the offensive line is depth, especially losing um, Cam Knight. I think you're down to 15 scholarship players, and then, um, you know, it becomes very thin. Uh, You you always get injuries on the offensive line. Uh, you, You saw it last year with Matthew Bedford, which I think is a huge addition um, coming back, getting him back, being a veteran presence on this, you know, for what it is, is a very young line. Um, You know, you have a lot of true and redshirt freshmen um, who might be in the rotation, which is kind of scary because freshmen really don't do that. It, It takes a special player to be an impact freshman on the offensive line. Now they might have it in Carter Smith. Um, you know, Bray Lynch is now the number two center, it looks like, from from practice and, and things like that. But we saw it last year when Zach Carpenter went out with that freak injury against Western Kentucky. Um, Caleb Murphy came in. Uh, he played well against Western Kentucky and then got obliterated against Cincinnati and uh, and Nebraska. And yeah, that's, I think, is the biggest fear of mine with, with the offensive line. It's not a talent issue. It's are there enough guys to survive some of the injuries you might incur in the season? But um, right. you're coaching them up. You hope guys like DJ Moore can find his way into the rotation um, and you could get the most out of the 15 guys on the roster. Uh, guys like Noah Baltikoff have to get up to speed. Um, Max Longman, the transfer from UMass, uh, he's pushing Carter Smith at that left tackle position. But at the very least, he could be your swing guy, you know, that sixth offensive lineman who comes in. He could play guard. He could play tackle um, and, and just give, give guys um, a, a breather. So, TJ, let's move yeah. to um, real, real quick. Real yeah. quick on the line. Um, if, if you are taking a, a starting five for the Ohio State game, what do you think that five ends up being? Now, you mentioned, you know, you have seen a couple of practices, but they are mixing things up. It's not an indication of, hey, here's what it's going to be. So this is a guess, but your guess of how this shakes out with the starting five that you think ends up opening the season for the Hoosiers, if everybody's healthy. Uh, going left to right, uh, it'd be Bedford, Kadick at left guard, 
Carpenter at center, uh, Khalil Benson at right guard. And um, I mean, it's a coin flip between Carter Smith and, and Max Longman now. Uh, you know, it, it's still week two of camp. We'll probably get to see a scrimmage here on Saturday, hopefully with BTN in, in town. Um, but Carter Smith played against Ohio State. So I might, you know what, I, I might roll with Carter Smith and um, at least to start the season if he struggles or if Max Longman uh, is improved enough or gets uh, caught up with what, IU wants to do on offense. Uh, he could be at that right tackle position, but uh, yeah, that's that's from left to right. My my starting five. Okay, yeah, and for me, if if it's real close between you play the best guy, but if all things are equal between Carter Smith and Max Longman, the ceiling for Carter Smith is higher. Uh, by by quite a bit, just based on his age uh, and the amount of time that he still has left in the program. So that you know could end up being a uh, bit of a tiebreaker there as you look to. Uh, you could also split you know, time at right right tackle. There there's sure. no say. You know how sure. they say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Nobody says if you have two right tackles, you don't have any. Um, you actually yeah. have two right tackles. If you have two right tackles, you could play split reps until somebody pulls away. Uh, and sure. even then, if you, if you could, the way IU runs their offense and with how fast they run it, you're going to have to use more than one guy in a position, most likely, um, at, at most positions. So having a guy like Max Longman who could step in and give guys breathers, it, it's not a bad thing. So it, it could be one of those things where Carter Smith gets the first two series, Max Longman gets the next two, or they alternate. Uh, and, and things like that. So it, it'll be interesting to see if we do get to see the scrimmage, um, how it works out on the offensive line and, and things like that. Uh, but, you know, you feel good about the talent. You just, I don't feel great about the depth right now. Uh, and that might not change until next year. But let's move on sure. uh, to, to running back. Uh, this is a position that, I'm pretty excited about, I think that the top three guys, and, and we're going to put Jalen Lucas in the running back position. Um, although he could be used all over the field, he's probably it mainly going to, yeah, but his primary position is probably going to be running back. So we're going to lump him in there. Um, you have Josh Henderson, who I thought was the most consistent running back last year. Coming in from North Carolina, eight total touchdowns, four on the ground, four receiving. He's tough. He breaks tackles. He, you know, kind of reminds you of Stevie Scott a little bit. Um, probably maybe not as physical, but um, he's a guy who falls forward, gets you yards, gets you positive yards, um, and can be a difference maker in the passing game and gives you that versatility, which we were uh, kind of hoping for last year with, with two running back sets and things like that. Um, or splitting a, a guy out at wide receiver and um, putting another in the, in the backfield. Of course you have Jalen Lucas, who's going to be all over the field and as he should be um, as well. Uh, you don't want Jalen Lucas getting 20 carries between the tackles. You want to get him out in space. Uh, we saw that against Michigan state and Purdue 
I think you're going to see more of that style of offense um, in terms of getting Jalen Lucas on the edge and, and outside. And then uh, a guy who was beat up in spring practice, um, but is back for uh, fall camp, uh, Christian Turner from Wake Forest, another, you know, solid third running back when you need um, somebody to, to step in, give guys a blow. Uh, he could step in there. He, you know, he, I think in Wake Forest in his career, he was at 1,100 yards, just a solid, solid running back. And then, of course, behind him, uh, you got Trent Howland and, and David Holloman. I think over the last couple of years, it's probably the deepest running back room that IU has had, which doesn't say a lot, seeing that 2021, you were playing walk-ons like the last third of the season. Um, but you have, a, a, I think, a solid group. Now, who, how many carries Holloman and Howland get, uh, who knows? But if the top three stay healthy uh, in Henderson, um, Jalen Lucas, and Christian Turner, I use, you know, got some talent at that, that running back position um, that they haven't seen in, in, a, in a couple years. Absolutely. I, I think uh, what you're looking for from this position group is kind of tied in with the offensive line. You need more production from the running game. Uh, the running backs need to do their part. The offensive line needs to do its part. Then the offense, you know, how you're calling the plays and the structure of the offense needs to play a role as well. Um, I think that the skill sets of these running backs does kind of lend itself to having two back sets um, with Jalen Lucas and Josh Henderson or and Christian Turner. Um, I think you will see some of that this season. Uh, and I think that getting not only Jalen Lucas in space, but I think getting Josh Henderson the ball in space as well, I think that he can be valuable as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, I, I want to see the running backs utilized more in a variety of ways and getting creative with the attack to help the running game get going. Just, you know, it's possible that IU develops the ability to just, you know, hand the ball off, run up the middle left, run up the middle right, and average, you know, north of four yards a carry. That's, that's possible, and that would be great. But if you're not able to do that consistently, Walt Bell has got to find ways to get these running backs the ball in advantageous situations, situations where they can make the most of their skill sets. Um, you know, and that's going to utilize some creativity and take some creativity from, uh, from the scheme. So I think that the... The personnel group is there and fits well together. Um, I just want to see Walt Bell utilize these guys in in more ways. And you you need the offensive line to be able to block uh, somewhat consistently for you to be able to do that. I mean, you could only get so creative if you can't block. So um, that's, you know, IU averaged 3.36 yards per carry last season, that number has to improve somewhat dramatically for IU's offense to be able to click. 
um, and the running back group is going to have a part in that. Um, I think that Josh Henderson is certainly the guy that they anticipate leading the team in carries. Um, and then you're probably looking at Jalen Lucas getting the second most and used in a variety of ways. Uh, it's kind of a, a joker on offense. And then uh, Turner, I think the two players in this group that I'm really curious to see how their role plays out is David Holloman and Trent Howland. You know, typically now you're seeing if guys go three seasons on campus without really being used, they look to transfer out. Um, Indiana's going to need Holloman and Howland some this year, and they might really need them next year uh, with Henderson and Turner both, you know, out of eligibility after this season. So um, I'm interested to see the role that Howland, who, you know, it's a massive guy at running back, uh, tipping 240 and 6'3", I think. Yeah, he's a big dude. You know, he could be a big short short yardage back, and, and Holloman brings kind of a, a speed dimension, certainly not to the level of Jalen Lucas, but, you know, he's, he's really fast. So, you know, some different skill sets, again, from the depth to, uh, of the position. So it's an interesting group uh, and one that I hope the coaching staff, mainly Walt Bell, uh, find some ways to utilize these guys as a position group. And again, I, I really want to see lots of multiple back sets from the Hoosiers. because I do think that the running backs have the ability to make that work. And I think it could be a, a good wrinkle for the IU offense to deploy. Yeah. Um, you know, if you could get that averaged and, and it's a big increase, almost a yard per carry. Uh, if you could get it north of four, I think you're in good shape. I think what else uh, helps IU in the, I, I guess, time of possession that people are obsessed about, clock will now run on first downs. Um, I, I think that helps a little bit, um, take some wear and tear off the defense. Uh, and wear and tear off the offense. I talked to Bill Carollo, who's the head of officiating um, at Media Day. He said that rule will probably shave off seven plays. I'm not a huge fan of it. You're changing the sport a little bit. Um, I'm happy that they're not running the clock on incomplete passes and completely changing the sport. But uh, I I think having a running clock on first down will help – IU play a little bit, even going up tempo um, will help them control the clock a little bit more. Even if it's just taking seven plays out of the game, uh, you're looking at, you know, five or six seconds each first down that the clock is going to run. And if you're, that's almost two minutes. If you're getting, um, you know, 20 first downs a game, that's almost two minutes that that your offense is going to keep the ball uh, on the defense. Now it works both ways. The other team could do it too. But I think, um, you know, if IU could control the ball for a minute or two more, it'll help the defense that much, uh, that much more. Let's talk about the tight end uh, position. It's another position where it's intriguing, but depth is a big concern. You have Aaron Steinfeld coming back, uh, we talked to him yesterday. He looks to be in great shape. He's taken up yoga. Um, has gotten quicker. 
Um, he's going to step up into that tight end one role that AJ Barner was in last year. You bring James Bomba back. He was an excellent blocker. Um, as a pass catcher, he's got to improve his hands. He got open um, a couple of times, but there were throws that he, he needed to catch, um, bring in for big plays. Uh, Bradley Archer comes in from Stanford. He could be a playmaker. The There's, um, man, uh, the two freshmen from last year, uh, Ryan Miller and Brody Foley. We'll see how they do. They were injured last year, didn't really get time. We'll see if they factor into it. And then um, Trey Walker's been in the program for a while. He's a tough guy, uh, can block. And then I think the, the the guy who's a sleeper in that room is Anthony Jones. Um, Anthony Miller. Sorry, not Anthony Jones. Anthony Miller. He's a six-five freshman. Looks huge, like a power forward out there. Um, joked with Kevin Wright yesterday about how he ended up with him and not the defense. Um, cause he, he came in as a player who could have gone and played defense end or could have played, you know, a tight end, which, um, you know, both positions and needs, but the tight end room has him. I would, if he could get the offense down and, and things are moving quickly for him, he's my X factor in that room. What's, uh, what's your take on the, the tight end room, TJ? <clears throat> Yeah, I'm surprised that both Anthony Miller ends up at tight end and then Orlando Greenlow ends up at wide receiver. Uh, I, I'm surprised the defense didn't get one of those guys, but um, good for the offensive coaches for sure. Now, I, I think that Indiana has a lot of decent guys here, a lot of guys that you can – put on the field and feel, hey, they can they can do a job. What we don't know yet is if IU has any difference makers in this position. Um, you know, Peyton Hinderstadt, a potential difference maker, and we can argue about how much he was or wasn't used, um, and, and very good points could be made about that, but he had the ability to be a difference maker for you. Does Indiana have a tight end right now that's ready to be a difference maker? I, I don't know. Um, and that's I would say that's no. Something that yeah, I I, I don't think they do. Um, I think that Anthony Miller is a guy, and Sam West potentially as well. They could develop into that um but I, I think they just have a lot of solid players in this in this position group now that's okay but if that's the case you need to find okay and by you i mean walt bell needs to find who are my difference makers on offense outside of the obvious one of jalen lucas and how do i highlight those guys and maximize those guys and their ability to make those differences. And how can this tight end group allow them to make those differences? Um, because there's, you need solid guys on this tight end group 
to be able to be safety valves on offense, to be able to make the catches, to move the chains, you know, on, on just hypothetically speaking, on a third and short, having, being able to trust Aaron Steinfeld or James Bamba um, or Foley or Miller or one of the freshmen, being able to trust those guys to be able to be on the field, make themselves available, get open for a target that moves the chains and make the catch and keep your offense on the field, that's a big deal. Uh, they might not be able to turn that five-yard reception that's a first down into a you know 45-yard touchdown by making a couple of guys miss and accelerating. I don't, I don't think Indiana has anybody on their team that can do that at this position group right now. So no, but just this tight just, end room. Yeah, yeah. Just get get give a guy that the defense has to account for. That that's all. You don't need. Sure. Um, you know that you can you trust that you can. yeah that you trust in a checkdown or um, you know just in blocking some guy that the defense has to go. Oh. Yeah, we need to cover him. Um, I think the big issue with AJ Barner last year, he struggled to get open. Um, now that could be uh, on his part, or that could be a credit to the defense. But a lot of times, when fans were saying, "Oh, throw to Barner, throw to Barner," got to get Barner more involved. He had to get open too. So that that's another thing that the IU tight ends have to do. Yeah, yeah, you have to create the opportunities for yourself as well. If you're not getting open, nobody's going to give you the ball. But like Peyton Hendershot, teams had to prepare for him. I don't think, like you said, I don't think IU right now has a guy like Peyton Hendershot. But you have, like you said, solid guys who could block, catch a few passes, move the chains, uh, give you some targets in the red zone. Uh, and, and things like that. Maybe Anthony um, Anthony Miller develops into that guy, but he's still a true freshman, still learning the offense yep. uh, and, and all of those things. Speaking of playmakers in the passing game, TJ, let's get to the wide receiver room. Um, yeah, this... real quick on tight end, a very small side note to watch during this season. I don't know if anybody caught this at media day, uh, Jim Harbaugh was talking about the Michigan roster and he has a belief that this Michigan group is going to break the record for most NFL draft picks from a single team uh, in, in one draft. He thinks that they will have more than 20 guys drafted from this year's Michigan Wolverines in the next NFL draft. One of the guys he mentioned was A.J. Barner. He said, definitely A.J. Barner. He was going position by position and said, definitely A.J. Barner will be an early pick or something to that extent. He, he was very, very sure that he was going to be an NFL draft pick um, and had some other positive things to say about Barner. I only bring that up because I, I, I always think it's interesting to watch, you know, these guys that leave Indiana and transfer out. How do they do with their new stops? And it's not me watching to root against them and hope they fail or watching to, you know, hey, hope they do amazing. I, just out of curiosity, I'll be very interested to see how A.J. Barner's season plays out at Michigan. Um, just a 
little extra tiny side note for IU fans to keep an eye on. Um, he's a player that I think a lot of people are interested how his season unfolds in Ann Arbor. So um, one to watch. Yeah. But anyway, we will yeah, move I didn't on catch... to the uh, wide yeah, receiver I group, but I, I noticed it. I didn't catch those comments. Um, I mean, I, I heard about the, the 20 guys, but AJ Barner being a first or second round pick or a second or third round pick, he's going to have to, yeah, I, to show, show me something. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I have not seen that. Hendershot was yeah. an undrafted free agent. Right. And maybe some yeah. of that had to do with his off the field stuff. But he was head and shoulders better than A.J. Barner. Now I get it because we were all um, just transfixed on, oh, A.J. Barner is a great athlete. He, he was a, you know, a, a good fit at tight end. He looks like Peyton Hendershot 2.0. It just never materialized. Maybe it materializes at Michigan. Who knows? But I, I'd be shocked if he went in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, um, but we'll see. Yeah, let's move on to receivers. It's a position that I'm very intrigued about. Again, depth is an issue. Um, you know, you lose David Baker to, to um, medical red shirt. Um, we'll see what happens there, but um, I do like the transfers. EJ Williams coming in from, from Clemson. He's healthy, uh, fully healthy. And looks to be a playmaker. Uh, DeKeese Carter from Fordham. He's my like he's my guy that I, I really like at this position. He sit is on all types of top ten lists at Fordham for receiving uh, or top five lists uh, and, and things like that. Um, he comes in now. He j- joined in June, so he's trying to play catch up. But I think he's that veteran presence on there that could step up and be a leader. Uh, in that room, Donovan McCulley looks quicker um, and, and things like that. It's a more diverse room in terms of body types. You got Cam Perry. Uh, you have, yep, big you know, Cam Perry, EJ, uh, EJ Williams, Dequeese Carter, uh, big guys like Donovan McCulley. Uh, there's, it's no longer your 6'2", 220-pound wide receiver at all three positions. Uh, you could throw Jalen Lucas out there. They're just, it looks like there's more body types that could give you, you know, different looks and things like that. Um, but I know you're excited about Cam Perry bringing him in. What else excites you about this uh, wide receiver room? You absolutely stole my thunder there. Excellent point. And I say that because I was going to make it. So, you know, I have to say it's an excellent point there. But um, you're right. A variety of body types, a variety of players, it gives you options in how you are going to attack a defense. And that is something that the IU wide receiver room simply has not had for a while. Um, Since 2020. by, By the way that they were recruiting and I've kind of in my head, I've always thought of this. They try to bring, they tried to bring in a lot of, uh, a lot of Cadillacs and did not bring in any sports cars. And 
you have to have both. You, you just have to have both. And I think they, they do finally have a number of guys that that can be impact players at the slot with with wiggle and burst. They've got guys that can be effective on the outside with good size. Um, they have players that can play in both spots. And again, it's it's a variety of body type, a variety of skill set that gives your offense the ability to attack a defense different ways. And Jalen Lucas and Cam Perry um, are examples of that in that you know they can be split around. Uh, Lucas in multiple positions, not just wide receiver, but running back as well. Um, now, for this position group to live up to the excitement that we have for it, they do need a couple of things to happen. One of those is Cam Camper needs to be healthy. Yep. He needs to be healthy and available to be uh, kind of your, your go-to guy when you need a completion. Which is and what he was last year before he got hurt. You know, exactly. going back, exactly. go back and he, watch. He is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you go back and watch the and the, the Illinois game, the Cincinnati game, um, and I think he was sick for the Nebraska game. Which, if he's there, that changes the game. Um, you, you missed him and and DJ Matthews in that game, and and the offense just totally took a crap in the second half. I mean, you could say they took a crap in the first half too, but um, yeah, getting Camp Camper back healthy. Uh, expanse room and the guy who we've all kind of forgotten about jock has smith he's a former four-star recruit uh from georgia 6 195 he's healthy this is like the first time i've seen him practice for more than like two days so i think he adds depth you know depth to that room so where you're only looking at if you're not counting jalen lucas you're looking at eight scholarship players at that position that's pretty thin. I, I think if you could go 10, uh, you feel good about it. But, um, yeah, you got eight eight scholarship guys there um, with Orlando Greenlow uh, and Derek yeah. Bowler as true freshmen to, to make it 10. How much you want to rely on true freshmen at that position, especially early in the season, uh, we'll see. But Cam Camper is on a snap count or pitch count, whatever you want to say. I don't know if he's – I mean, he'll he'll play in the opener, it looks like, but how available he's going to be is anybody's guess. Can somebody step up into that role of, of being the go-to guy, being that safety blanket for whoever starts at quarterback and, and will cover the quarterbacks next? Um can they step into that role until camp campers hundred percent go uh, and, and can, you know, be, be that guy we saw against Illinois and Cincinnati, uh, you know, before he got hurt, he was going to be a thousand yard receiver. He, he was leading the big 10 in receiving yards. He was over 500 and something yards uh, last year when he got taken out at Rutgers and that, that was a scary injury. Uh, his leg did bend yeah. the wrong way. Um, but, you know, can, can you find somebody to fill in for, for Cam uh, 
Cam Camper yeah. in these early games. Because, yeah, you'd like to have him full go for Ohio State, but you you shouldn't really need Cam Camper to play 80 snaps against Indiana State. Uh, if you could get him to like 80 or 90% by Louisville, um, yeah, you're okay with limiting his snaps uh, the first two games. But we'll see. It's a room that, you know, you're going to have some guys that were recruited a couple years ago who resurfaced. Uh, you'll have some transfers that were at bigger schools um, the last couple of years who maybe – you know, fell out of favor, not for anything of their doing, but just because they were unproductive or got dinged up and, and things like that. But we'll see. Uh, let's move to quarterback. Uh, this is. So with, with or, wide receiver. Yep. With wide receiver outside of let's take Cam Camper out of the equation. We don't know. I mean, you, you bring up the snap count and, you know, we're not going to predict that. We don't know. Outside of him and outside of Jalen Lucas, because that's a major wild card as well, who is Indiana's most targeted wide receiver from the remaining players available for you to pick from? Who you got? So no Cam Camper. Who is the no other one? No Jalen Lucas. Um, dang, that's a tough question. Uh, probably EJ Williams. Uh, Anderson Kobe might be in there as well. We forgot to lump him in there, uh, as as one of those guys. Um, probably EJ Williams. He's he's the most talented of the group. Uh, that that's with no Cam Camper and, and no Jalen Lucas. Yeah, it's probably going to be. Actually, you know what? Scratch I'm taking that. McCauley. I'm taking Dequise Carter. I'm going to roll with my guy. Um, that's what it's going to be. I think he's he's going to be that safety blanket guy uh, a, a little bit. We'll see. That'll be an interesting thing to put put you know a little wager on. Is who? Yeah. If it's not Cam Camper, who's your second leading uh, receiver? That's not named Jalen Lucas right. or. But I think it I think it goes to show like there's there's some good options there. There are some good yeah. options there. That is a solid room. I think that the coaches did a very nice job of restocking that position uh, with talent and with different kinds of receivers, as we talked about over the past couple of off seasons. I think the coaching staff has done a nice job of seeing that deficit and addressing it through high school recruiting and through portal recruiting as well. I think that that position group has been upgraded uh, fairly substantially over the past couple of off seasons. So uh, credit where it's due there for the coaching staff. And now we'll move on to quarterback. It's, it's the one that everybody is wondering who is going to be starting. Uh, it is a two-person race between Taven Jackson and Brendan Sorsby. Uh, Dexter Williams is practicing. Uh, he is non-contact, and uh, I mean, you you saw him and can can speak a little bit to um, just you know what he's able to do and what he's not able to do at this point in time. Uh, and then Brock Lowry, true freshman uh, from Ohio, that that you know they're excited about, but the plan is definitely not to use Brock Lowry 
uh, in 2023. Dexter Williams not expected to be cleared uh, to play by the time the season begins. So you're looking at Taven Jackson transfer from Tennessee and Brendan Sorsby, uh, redshirt freshman from Texas. Uh, what uh, what have you seen from that group and the limited uh, availability that, that you've had to look at them? And how do you think that that group ultimately kind of plays out? Is this a situation where we are going to see Jackson and Sorsby getting snaps for the first couple of games, both against Ohio State and Indiana State, um, to kind of have the coaches get a live evaluation before they kind of settle maybe on a guy or see if somebody separates themselves going into the Louisville game? Or is this a spot where, hey, they're, they're going to find a week at camp, they're going to pick somebody, that's going to be the starter that gets the first crack at it to see what they can do? Uh, I, I don't think anybody knows for sure, but what have you seen? Well, not much separation. Um, you know, I saw Brandon Sorsby taking a lot of reps. Uh, we didn't see a lot of throwing. Let, let me start with that caveat. We, we've seen no team stop. We have seen no real skelly um you know, seven on seven type stuff. So what we've seen is we've seen them throw to wide receivers on air. We've seen them hand the ball off to running backs and we've seen them uh, kind of go wide receivers against DBs and, and throw like that. What I can tell you is that Brandon Swordsby and David Jackson right now, um, I, I think talent wise are about even. Uh, Taven might have the better arm, but they've both had great throws. They both had terrible throws. I think that's, that comes with being a redshirt freshman. Uh, the most shocking thing to me is how far along Dexter Williams is. Uh, now I, he's not due back until the middle of the season, but at this point, I didn't think he would be practicing uh, based on the severity of the injury and what it looked like um, in November. I didn't think he would play at all this year. So that's encouraging. Uh, Brock Lowry reminds me of Peyton Ramsey, uh, probably just a little bit thicker, more physically developed than Ramsey at, at, at this point of both of their careers. But uh, to me, it's why not play both of them early? Uh, you're, you're playing Ohio State and you're playing Indiana State. And if we're being honest, both of those games could get out of hand. Um, and I think in the past that the, the staff, um, or at least Alan, uh, who's been the constant, you need to, in order to build program depth, you have to get guys reps in games. And I, I think they've, they have not done a good enough job in doing that in games that they have blown people out. You, I mean, Jack Tuttle came in a couple of times, but he just handed the ball off. It'd be nice to see whoever the backup is come in maybe the second half of Indiana state, maybe the second half of Ohio state and we'll run the offense that way. If somebody gets hurt um, or, or things like that, you have a guy who's played in games, has run the offense, um, you know, and, and things like that. Now it's a double-edged sword. If you're doing that, you're taking away reps from the starter who also needs reps, but um, that that's a good way to build depth. Um, if 
gun to my head today, the, the starter is probably Taven. I think his upside is a little bit higher right now than um, Brandon Soresby. But they're both very similar. They can run. They can throw. They're athletic enough to escape the pocket. Um, it, it's We'll see. It's hard. We'll see if, if we see anything in the scrimmage on, on Saturday, if we could, you know, make a educated educated guess at, at who's going to start. Uh, I do think Tom Allen will – he said in the offseason he's going to announce a starter internally – after the second scrimmage, which I would believe would be August 19th, but we'll see. It's also, I get people are getting frustrated. Well, why can't you announce it publicly? You know, the whole, if you don't have one quarterback or if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any, it's just, it's a wide open competition right now. And that's what I like about it. It's let the best player win. Do not pick, Taven because he went to center Grove and and it might upset Eric Moore or sell a few more tickets. Let's be honest. Tom Allen's not really in the hot seat this year, but if you don't have a good season this year, you're on the hot seat next year. And I think he knows that. Um, You have to have the best player play. And I, and I don't think the last two quarterback competitions, the one between Michael Penix and Jack Tuttle and the one between Basilak and Jack Tuttle, I don't think they were as open as this one. I think they, they wanted Penix to start. They wanted Basilak to start. I just hope that it's not, how do we find a way to get Taven to start? Um, the depth of quarterback it's let's be honest. It's scary. You're going in with no senior veteran uh, quarterbacks that are scholarship players. I mean, he did bring in Blaze McKibben who played at Fresno state and a couple junior colleges. Uh, you have Roman Purcell who played at North Carolina A and T. Um, but outside of that, you're very young. And that's, that's the scary part. Uh, what's your take on quarterback TJ? Well, I, I haven't, I mean, we are at a position, all of us, I mean, you, yes, the media has been able to see some parts of practice, but you, you know, spelled out for people like, Hey, here's the limitations of that. Like we've seen these guys, but not really. And you haven't seen, yeah, everybody else you is the same boat. see them against a, yeah. a pass rush or exactly. you know standing behind a full offensive line outside of inside run it, it's very hard to judge cuz anybody could throw yeah. against you know throw against air and it, and we're all in that same spot because i mean with Connor Basilak you were able to say okay well we know what he looked like in the Missouri offense okay we know what he looked like against SEC defenses. Got it. But with with Sorsby and Jackson, we don't know. And the IU coaches don't know. They certainly have more of a grip on it than, than we do because they get to see, you know, the, the live team stuff. They get to put them through those drills. But um, I think that what is – something that can be said with certainty is that either option, not comparing the talent of Basilak, 
to Taven Jackson or to Soresby uh, in terms of throwing the football. Not going to compare that. But in terms of a fit with the offense and with what Indiana wants to do on offense and needs to do on offense and what they need from their quarterback, I think we can safely say that either Soresby or Taven Jackson are much better fits than Connor Bazelak was in this system. Oh, no and doubt. No doubt that was about true. It. That was true when they brought in Bazelak. We've talked about that. It's true now with the guys that they have. I think Indiana has done a good job of evaluating and bringing in quarterbacks that are similar types of players to each other, which I have been asking for. I'm not the only one. I've been asking for for a while. It does not make sense to bring in a statue pocket passer and then have his backups be totally different types of players to where you have to change everything about the offense if something happens to that starter. It doesn't make sense. And it didn't make sense to have that type of quarterback as your starter anyway. But we're not in that situation now. I, I think that that is safe to say, and that's a major positive. Um, as far as who emerges as the starter, I, I've since they brought Taven Jackson in, I have thought it's probably going to be Taven Jackson just because I have seen what he produced in high school, uh, going undefeated as a starter back-to-back -back years in the best football conference in the state and one of the better football conferences in the Midwest, that's, that's very, very impressive. Now, Thorsby played in, in Texas. So certainly from a high school standpoint, he was getting incredible competition week in and week out. Um, but I saw what Taven Jackson did. I know what his athletic level is. Um, and, you know, he was thought well enough by experts that evaluate the quarterback position and by coaches that pursued him and got him to Tennessee. Yep. So Tennessee, who those coaches clearly know offense really well, they thought enough of David Jackson to spend a quarterback scholarship on him, uh, which are very valuable. And that, to me, says, hey, whatever I think, experts are saying this guy's got talent. And I think ultimately that does win out and Taven starts. But I would not be at all surprised if Sorsby is the guy. Um, every indication is that this is a extremely tight competition uh, between the two, a very open competition between the two. And I, I just have to sit back and say, I hope they choose the best guy. I hope it works. And I'm confident that at least it's a better fit from a talent to system standpoint, um, which is, is a plus. And that's, that's the only definitive statement I can make about the quarterback position is that the talent around the quarterback this year is in a better spot than it was. They have a special player in Jalen Lucas, that is a major difference maker that every defense has to account for him on every play. 
and the fit of the quarterback to the offensive system should be much better than it was a season ago. How does that play out in terms of results for the offense? Uh, time will tell. A final thought on the quarterback position. Um, last year, not only the results on the field, I think a lot of the morale off the field with Connor Basilak kind sure. of sulking, um, sitting out that Penn State game in a in a weird. Yeah, he was probably banged up, but it, but good enough to start the next week. I it just. I think the, the the room is in a better place mentally as well. Tom Allen has said uh, Soresby and Jackson have bonded over this competition. Uh, it, it's not like they're not competing against each other, but they're competing with each other for that job, and they have a mutual respect for each other. Uh, and I don't think, you know, when, when things get tough, I don't think they're going to, you know, quit on their team kind of like Connor Basilak did last year. Um, and I think that's going to go a long way too, because you saw as soon as Dexter Williams got hurt against Purdue and Connor Bazelak came in, air came out of the team. They just, they didn't play the same. They, I, it didn't look like the effort was, was the same and things like that. And that to me is, we know this guy gave up on us. So screw him. Uh, final thoughts on the offense, TJ, before we get people out of here. Yeah, I kind of gave mine just a better overall talent standpoint for this offense from a position uh, group standpoint, um, better fit in terms of talent and, or, or um, personnel of the quarterback uh, to the offensive system. Uh, Walt Bell entering his second year, I think he has a much better idea or hope he has a much better idea of what he wants to do uh, with the group. Um, offensive line, big question mark, but reasons for optimism. Now, what needs to happen is that the pieces of the puzzle that are there need to be put together. Um, and that's, that's on Walt Bell. I think that there were some, some things that you saw that you would be optimistic about last year. And then some things you saw that from him that uh, you'd be concerned about. Um, overall, I think it should be a much improved offense that is more fun to watch and produces better, but uh, we do need to see it on the field first. They, they do not get the benefit of the doubt from anybody heading into the season. It, it needs to be proven on the field. Yeah, um, and in line with that, my final thoughts are I, I think talent is much better. Uh, and we'll, when we do the defensive preview, I'll say the same thing. I think the talent on this roster offensively is much better than it was last year. I think the coaching staff, especially on the offensive line, is much better than it was last year. Uh, we saw the improvement the line made under Rod Carey at the mid-year, which is a very difficult position to be put in <laughs> and see see improvement. But just that, they they – it wasn't great improvement, but it was a step in the right direction. Offensively, I think you're going to see a philosophy more towards what they ran against uh, Michigan State and Purdue. Um, they're not going to throw the ball 80 times a game or 65 times a game like they did with Basilak. I think it's going to be a much more balanced offense. Um, 
you know, throw the ball, run the ball, establish the run, and, you know, just keep defenses off balance. Uh, they're still going to go quickly, but I think, you know, until we see them scrimmage or whatever, I, I, you hope that they figure out, hey, we could go fast after that first down. But if we can't get that first down, let's slow it down, take our time, get as many yards as we can, take some time off the clock, get our defense some rest. And, you know, you want all drives to end in kicks. You don't want them to turn it over. Whether it's a punt, extra point, or field goal, that's how you want your drive to end. Um, and uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. We'll see, you know, if we get to see a scrimmage, we'll see. Otherwise, it'll be um, – see how they come out against Ohio State and you know the point of reference was the IU played Ohio State late last year um, in the third to last game and now they're playing Ohio State in the first game this year so what does improvement look like does that mean that your offense puts up more points more yards per per play you know what can you take away that shows improvement is, is my final thoughts on the offense. Uh, TJ, thanks for, for joining, uh, joining me this morning, talking about the offense. We'll be back um, to talk about the defense on another, uh, on another podcast. And then finally we'll talk about special teams and then that'll be game week and we'll start breaking down Ohio state. Absolutely. Yep. Looking forward to it. It's great to, to actually be talking about the team. For 2023, I know we're all uh, jacked up, excited to get this year going um, and just, you know, another short few weeks and we'll be there. Uh, continue to check out Hoosier Huddle as we continue our countdown, all of our preview pieces, um, lots and lots of good stuff pretty much every day on the site. So uh, if you want to find any preseason content on IU football, we probably got it covered for you. Uh, and then hopefully you get to see that scrimmage on Saturday, get some good stuff uh, as we continue to, to build out the off-season or, or preseason coverage stuff. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. We know lots of podcast options out there for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you listening. Uh, hit the, the subscribe button, like us, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle, uh, HoosierHuddle.com. We, we have articles every day covering fall camp, uh, previewing the season. Our, our countdown to kickoff is continuing. We take a look at opponents uh, as well. We're just 25 days away from kickoff. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm ready for games to be played uh, so we could talk about those and not all this off-season realignment uh, nonsense that people are, are sick of. So thank you for joining us. 25 days till kickoff. I will be back next time with the defensive preview. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.